I want to welcome the echo that you've gotten, and I especially want to welcome those of you that are, that are guests. You, maybe you're friends or family of some being baptized, and you've come today, and your presence will make this day even more special to them. So for the efforts you've made to come, and some of you have traveled a long, long ways, on their behalf, I would say thank you for being here. There's a, a place in Luke 15 where Jesus talks about what happens when someone comes to know him and trust their life to him. And he says in that very moment that someone does that, that there's this party that breaks out in heaven. It's as though, in fact it is, the fact that the angels of heaven have been yearning and waiting for the day that that one person would trust Jesus. And the moment that they do, Jesus says, this party explodes in heaven and the millions and millions of angels are celebrating around the throne of God and thanking God for his grace and forgiveness and love and for this one person who's found their way home. And so today there are about 60 folks who will be celebrating the fact they've trusted Christ with their lives. 60 folks. And so that means that uh, most of them actually trusted Christ within this last year, although some of them trusted him in years past. But it means for each one of those 60, in the moment they trusted Jesus, if you can picture this, in heaven, millions and millions and millions of angels celebrating that one life, it is such a big, big deal that heaven explodes in celebration. And so uh, that's happened for each of the 60 plus or so. But, but baptism is the day that these 60 or so make this very public declaration to friends and family and to the world that they're a follower of Jesus. And so baptism is a time for the church to have a reflection of that party in heaven and to celebrate the way heaven celebrated back the day they trusted. And so that's what we're about today with this. Uh, to, to have the fullest appreciation and to be able to celebrate as deeply as we can, it's important to understand what, what God has done which made this relationship with God possible and how they responded to it. And so I want to walk through that in just a few moments' time with you. And I'm using something called the bridge diagram. It's, um, it's something that it, it's easy to track and follow and easy to have an image of. It's also something that's easy to repeat. And so if you find uh, value in the way this is told, this is something you could easily repeat as well. But for the 60 or so people, this has been true of them. They, they came to a point where they realized that, that they were made, they were created by, by God himself. The God of the universe is the one who created them specifically and uniquely. And they became aware that God has longed for only one thing of them and with them. And that's relationship with him. It's the one thing that he's longed for, that, it, that they would have relationship with him. The problem is this, they came to realize, is that the sin in their life has cut them off from any possible relationship with God. The sin in their life has created this massive chasm between them and God. Isaiah 59, 2 is one place that talks about this. And so they came to that realization. It's a realization that's true for every single one of us. It was true of me. It's been true of you as well is that sin always creates this massive chasm between us and God. And, and it, it leads to death. In fact, it's the sin of humankind that has brought about death itself. And it's not just this physical death that sin causes. It's this, it's this spiritual death. It's, it's this death of any possible life of relationship with God that's caused by sin. And, and if it doesn't get resolved and if the chasm doesn't get bridged over somehow then uh, when each person breathes their last, they step into this endless chasm 
of an eternity apart from God in a place that's called hell. So they all became aware of that. And all of them, and I think this is true of, of all of humanity. I know it's been true of me, probably of you as well. There was a season in which they just tried to be better and do better. And they thought, we can bridge the chasm by being a better person. And so they tried to do their best in how to live life. And they found again and again that that would fall short. And in fact, Scripture says many places. One is Isaiah 64, 6. It says that, that all of our very best deeds, right, the best we have to offer, falls woefully short. And so each of these 60 or so came to understanding that point and realized they were pouring out their best and falling very, very short. They, they, they had no hope on their own. And then they realized that the reason that Jesus, who is God the Son, came from heaven 2,000 years ago was specifically for that Friday when he was 33 years old that he would let sinful men crucify him, nailing him to a cross. They began to realize that 2,000 years ago he came for that very day. So on the cross, as only God could do, he would take their sins upon himself. He would take ownership of their sins as though he had committed every single one of their sins and they came to realize that, that he had taken the full punishment for their sins on that Friday. And then they realized on that Sunday that followed, he rose from the dead. And he's the living Lord and living Savior. And as the living Lord, he's, he's invited them to, to cross this chasm. On that day that he, he came and died on the cross, he created this bridge that, that covers the chasm between us and God. Now, the fact that he, he built the bridge doesn't mean that all of us have relationship with God. And the key is this, is because God won't force relationship with himself. He would never force anyone to that. Someone has to choose to walk across the bridge. So this is what these 60 or so did at one given moment in time. Scripture says to, to, to cross the bridge to have relationship with God, we have to have faith in Jesus, or some places it's worded to have belief in Jesus or trust in Jesus. And those English words, they all come from the same Greek word in which the New Testament was written originally. And they all mean the same thing, the belief, the faith, the trust. They mean two very specific things that someone does, and all 60 of these have done this. It means to say to Jesus, who they, they know is the risen Lord, to say, would you forgive all of my sins? Would you forgive all of my sins? And would you lead my life? Would you lead my life? And Scripture says the moment any one of us does that from this authentic heart, in that very instant then, then we have crossed the bridge. And there's this relationship with God that's begun. And so all 60 or so of these, that's what's happened for them. And, and they came to a point of realizing what they couldn't do for themselves, God in this this stunning love for them did for them. And it's true of all of us. None of us could cross the chasm on our own. None of us could build a bridge. And, but God's stunning love is equally infinite for every single person on the planet, including you and me. And, and so these have crossed the bridge. Now, part of what I want you to be able to uh, celebrate as fully as possible is understand what's happened because they have placed their faith in Jesus and asked him to forgive and lead. And baptism is this symbol. If you look at Scripture, a very five very specific things that, that happened that took place 
that became reality the moment someone trusted in Jesus. And so I want to walk through those with you. One is this, is forgiveness. In that very moment, every single sin of their lives was forgiven by God, completely forgiven. And in baptism, there's this powerful symbol of it. We understand that we would use water to wash off dirt and filth. And so there's this symbolism when you see each person baptized, you might be reminded of what's happened, and God has completely forgiven every single sin, past, present, and future for them. That's symbolized by baptism. The second thing is, is death and resurrection. When someone is lowered beneath the water, there's this symbolism of death and burial in the grave. When they're raised up again, it's a symbolism of, of resurrection. And in their lives, at the moment they trusted Jesus... Scripture says that, that, that a brand new life was birthed in them. There was something fundamental that God changed in them. They, they were resurrected then to a new life. But not just that. When they breathed their last, they just step into heaven. Rather than this godless eternity of hell, they step into heaven. And so when you see each person baptized, you might be reminded of this stunning reality for them. Is, is that they've gone from death to resurrection to, to life now, but to eternal life as well. And then a third thing is this, is this unity with Christ. If you look at Scripture, Christ was baptized, although he was sinless and didn't need to be baptized. He did to, to identify with us. And so there's this symbolism of unity with him. And reality for them is the moment they trusted, Christ has become so close to them that the words used in Scripture are that, that he began to live inside them, and they live inside him. The most uh, intimate language you could uh, use to try to say there's this unity with Christ. And so now that's what they've been experiencing ever since the day they began to trust and follow him then. And so that's one of the profound things that's shown in baptism as well. A fourth thing is this, is, is being included in the family of God. Uh, the intent of God is everyone that trusts Christ will be baptized. So there's this, there's this unity of, of all of us that trust Jesus have all been baptized. And I know that's not 100% true. And, and I know that someone doesn't have this new life with God because of baptism. It's because of faith. But there's this unity in that. And the, the imagery is that, is that everyone becomes adopted by God the Father into his family. And so everyone that trusts Jesus in, like in this room now is part of his family and and everyone down the street or the church you know, five miles down the road or around the world, every single person that's trusted Christ are, are part of this family of the perfect Father, of God the Father. And then finally, one last thing is that there's this imagery of baptism that would depict the reality that the Holy Spirit, once one began to trust, the Holy Spirit began to give his presence and his power in their life, which means he gives his power to guide and to lead and to transform and to change. And so I would like to encourage all of you to look at this list for a moment and ponder the one in this season that means most to you or would mean most to you. If you're a follower of Jesus, ponder the list and think of the one in this season that you're most grateful for. And when you see the baptisms, I would encourage you to, to think of that, that that is true in your life because of Jesus Christ. And if you have not yet, to this moment in time, asked Jesus to forgive and lead you, ponder the, the thing that would be most meaningful to you in this season if God were to do it. 
And then I would say that he will, he will, if you come to a point of asking him to forgive and lead you. So this is how we'll, we'll unfold with this. The 60 or so, all have, they all have a profound, moving personal story. And rather than give the whole crowd all of those, we've just asked one person, Sean Lewis, to give his story. We've captured that on video, and you'll get to see Sean Lewis's story. But be mindful that there are, there are another 60 stories that you'll see uh, in the pool as well that unfold. You won't know the details of them. When Sean gives his story, there's a point where he talks about, he uses this term, top three. And so we're all on the same page of, of knowing what that means around here. It means fundamentally that everyone that trusts Jesus understands, or at least God hopes we understand, that we would use our lives to help someone else come to trust him as well. And so around here, we talk about having a top three, having three people in our world, in our orbit that don't yet know Jesus, but mindful that God might use me or might use you and to, uh, to pray for that person, to invest in that person in their life and in the relationship with them, to invite them to church and to, to tell them what God has done in your life through Jesus. And so he mentions top three. That's what he's mentioning when he talks in his story here. And so after he, after he finishes his story, then Sean, actually, with his wife, Rebecca, will be the first ones baptized. And then we'll have baptism after baptism. And the intent is to, to worship God from the core of our being. And if you have trusted Christ, that will come so easily. If you've not yet trusted him, I would invite you to, to um, let yourself be caught up in the words and the music that are being uh, sung and worshiped. And see how God reaches into your heart and mind and stirs you in this time. And so uh, let me say a, a brief prayer, and then we'll roll to Sean's story, and then the baptisms will begin to roll. Father, we thank you for uh, these lives eternally changed by you. And thank you for your stunning love that is infinite for every person on the planet. Thank you for making the way through Jesus. Thank you for the celebration today. I pray that today's celebration um, will be experienced to the hilt by all that are here. But I also pray it will spawn some more people to come to a point of trusting Jesus to forgive and lead, which will spawn more celebration, which will spawn more to believe as well. So we give this, this entire time to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Life was like before Jesus was uh, a battle with alcoholism. Being by myself, loneliness, brokenness, anger, and just drowning it all away in alcohol. Something inside that is, it was so anxious to come out, but fear and anxiety kept it in. Um, the, feel of, the feeling of not being accepted in God's eye they said that to battle alcoholism, you've got to find a higher power. And to find that higher power, I dove straight into the harbor. I had woken up that morning, and I was, something was stirred inside of me from a very much dazed and hazy previous night of alcohol consumption where God stirred in me, I needed to go to church. Kyle Milgren and I, we graduated the same year, but we never really knew each other. Our paths might have crossed a couple times, but nothing really stuck out until I walked into the harbor. I walked into the harbor and I, you know, a broken person looking to latch on to anything at that time. And I just walked to him after not seeing him for probably 13 to 15 years and 
just gave him the biggest bear hug like I'd known him all my life when, in fact, we barely really knew each other. Coming across the top three initiative, um, it was brought to my attention that I become his number one on his top three. Being someone's top one and a top three, I had no idea what the meaning was until you actually learn about the top three initiative and what it means to the church as well as the individual. I felt like God brought me here on that day at that moment for a, a special reason with a broken marriage, a, a broken household, and God said it's time. Um, his plan for me said it's time on January 1st to finally give my life to him. Making that choice led to surrendering my life to Jesus. It was the greatest moment of my life. Once finally making that choice and making that decision to make him part of my life, but not just part, but dedicating my entire life to him, the stress, the fear, the anxiety, everything just was, I gave it to him because you never really take in the aspect um, not living life for Jesus until you actually realize what it is to live for Jesus. It actually shows to the church, family, friends that it's not just you having the Holy Spirit inside you, it's giving back to the community and showing your support and showing people that you are giving your life to Jesus. It's still ongoing and I'm so excited for the